0: This is the Hustler Sports 30 podcast with Justin Hershey, Sam Curtis, and Andrew Wilf. This week, the hosts dive into a March slate of basketball on West End as both Vanderbilt men's and women's basketball have qualified for the NIT Welcome to March. Welcome to NIT season on West End and welcome back into the Hustler Sports 30 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Hershey, joined by Sam Curtis and Andrew Wilf. And we are excited to be back from spring break. This past weekend, we got back and we got some really good news on Sunday about both of these Vanderbilt basketball programs. It'll be uh, the NIT showcase here on West End as both the men and the women will be competing in the NIT.
1: Yeah, I mean, we thought the men might might get a game in there, and we're happy to host uh, Nashville Rivals Belmont, but even more, I mean, just as exciting is that the women get to host a game against Murray State, too, so um, we'll be, you know, tuning into that and hoping for the best and hoping to get even more basketball uh, in the coming weeks.
2: Right, and this is exactly what, uh, eight, what the athletic director wanted for Vanderbilt and what all the fans wanted just a few years ago. You have a new basketball program with Coach Stackhouse and Coach Ralph and two postseason teams, but... Just within the men's, uh, a really good SEC tournament showing, really routed Georgia, edged Alabama first game that they really closed out, which was really a testament to just a healthy Commodore team and a sense of confidence. And then Kentucky really battled to the end, and it wasn't really a sense of beatdown at all. And I think Vanderbilt has a lot to look forward to, a lot of momentum. And this matchup against Belmont, I think a lot of Commodore fans are excited about the matchup and very confident.
1: I also think it brings a real chance for both programs to to start building on success. I mean, yeah. like for the women, obviously it's been a couple harsh years and even having to cancel their season during COVID. Um, so they've had a great showing in the SEC tournament, I think, uh, even though they, they came fell short. Um, but if they stack a couple wins, I don't know, maybe make a run here that could really carry over, especially in Shea Ralph's first season season. Uh, making postseason play is really big, and obviously for Stackhouse, this is the first time one of his teams will see postseason play. And and for guys who are returning, um, you know, getting that postseason experience and and maybe getting a win, and you know, we'll talk about it later. But maybe having a chance to go pretty far and, and make it, you know, MSG li- down the stretch
0: is, is a possibility. Yeah, and it's an exciting one. I think Sam, you make a great point because the last couple of years here, the successes and the progress that we've seen, there has been that. Um, both on the recruiting trail and when you look at Vanderbilt consistently improving as the season goes on, especially on the men's side. Um, Women's side, I wouldn't say the last couple years have seen a ton of progress. This year obviously shattered a ton of bad streaks that this program's had, and we'll get into those in a few minutes. But I think on the men's side, and we'll start here, last year we looked at success as win some SEC games, play your best ball down the stretch. They won in their first SEC tournament game last year against Texas A&M for the first time in a couple years. Those were all... Good, good milestones, but it was slow progress. This is a real testament to show that Vanderbilt was a solid team this year. They were a good team, only 64 or 68, I guess, make the big dance, but they really did a lot of good things, and this is a testament to that. They will host Belmont tomorrow night. Uh, we're filming this on a Monday, and they'll uh, play, play Belmont tomorrow here at Memorial Gymnasium. They're 5-1 all-time against Belmont. I know a lot of Nashville fans who are excited about this, and I don't see why Belmont and Lipscomb aren't consistent um, you know, programs in Vanderbilt's schedule because they're both uh, next door and they're both really good programs. This is going to be a really interesting game. But guys, let's backtrack to the SEC tournament for a second and set some of the uh, landscape for what Vanderbilt fans can expect out of this game on Tuesday. Obviously, Georgia was a beatdown. I think, Andrew, you said it. And I do agree that it was probably one of their most whole kind of uh, games of the year. It was impressive, but also Georgia has so mailed it in. They already knew Tom Crean, their head coach, was gone, and they just don't have a ton of talent on that team. So, but taking care of business is important, and beating a team three times isn't. It's it's not easy. Yeah, I mean that's that's
1: not never been a given for Vanderbilt basketball, especially right. this season. So coming out and just um, showing showing out for for Stackhouse and for Pippen, who could be you know well will be in his last games here, um, is is. Very impressive, and so it was good to see them respond with that quick quick win and uh, big route.
2: And we talk about packing it in. Maybe past seasons we see Vanderbilt maybe packing it in at the end of the yeah. season. Vanderbilt, you see it within games. When they maybe look at Kentucky, I think they went on an 11-0 run early in the second half. Vanderbilt went right back up and then put the margin back to three points. It's just that sense of fight that I don't think Commodore fans are used to, and that's what this team is different than other teams. The roster is really solid, but we can't say that everyone's been healthy the whole time except the SEC tournament, but there's always been fight. There's always been a sense that we can win this game, even against Kentucky, the number three team in the SEC tournament. It used to be called the Kentucky Invitational. They used to win that tournament every time. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically, Vanderbilt really didn't take that mentality of, I'm David, they're Goliath. They just said... We're going we're gonna to try our hardest. We're gonna, we, ha- we have faith within our, our guys, and that's what I think is going to be really important within the NIT. And you think about Jordan Wright, who's a great example of that. Scottie Pippen Jr. doesn't need to be the guy there. Scottie P- Jordan Wright had 27 points and was 10 for 12 from the field against Kentucky. And I think Commodore fans are okay if the offense isn't just going through Scottie because it shows that there's a lot of talent and everyone's really maximizing their potential. And we saw that this tournament.
0: Yeah, I think it was a testament in that Kentucky game to the fact that they don't have to win on Pippen Jr.'s shoulders. And I tweeted this out, and we talked about it. Scottie's, when Scotty scores over 25 points, this team hasn't had success. And out that Alabama win was their first win. When Scotty does score over 25 points, he, did, he wasn't efficient from the field but got to the line a ton. That was such an impressive win in my view. I think that first half was really ugly. Um, there were times that Vanderbilt was down. I forget what the biggest margin was, but 10, 12, 14 points even – early in that second half at times. And then Miles Studi just came through and really weathered the storm. It wasn't even that he cut into the lead with a bunch of threes, you know, midway through that second half, but he kept Vanderbilt afloat until guys like Jordan Wright, guys like Scottie Pippen Jr., Liam Robbins had a couple big buckets down the stretch. He he bridged the gap between a really tough game that was going to look like a loss to let's take us take us home veteran type of, uh, uh, thing. And I was really impressed.
1: Yeah. And, and you look at the, the statute and a couple of things jump out to you. First of all, the plus minus was Scottie Pippen, uh, and Quentin Laura Brown, uh, just kind of jump out both 11, 11 and 12 respectively. Um, but Pippen's shooting from the, from the charity stripe and Studi from the three point line, uh, really brought this home. I, you know, they, they, a couple unfortunate missed free throws from Chapman down late had me sweating. I, I think that was a common experience among Vanderbilt fans. But um, getting that win over Alabama was super impressive, especially after, you know, you, we beat a Georgia team who maybe didn't have all the fight in them. Um, getting this kind of win and, and getting a, a three-game win streak is is really great to feel. And the Kentucky game was super unfortunate. Um, the fact that you can put up that kind of performance while Scotty is is going, is having one of those games is very promising for the future of this program. Um, and you know what? It's I, I can't fault them too much. It would have been nice to win that, but it was it was a good game to see that they kept it close. And I think on, in another part of the season, they get just blown out because of Scotty didn't put up a certain amount of points. Um, so yeah. exciting there, good growth, as you mentioned earlier. That's what we wanted to see, and hopefully we continue to see that in NIT.
2: And, and going back to the Alabama game, when Vanderbilt plays a team that's been ranked, you know, sometimes you see that they get phased at the beginning and they're a little, you know, behind the eight ball. And you saw that, but was it, it was a 15 point deficit at half, I, I believe. It was 10. It was, it was 10. It, it, it really, the Commodore's never allowed themselves to feel that they were playing from behind. Maybe men- mentally they did, but they, they played with command and control the, enti- the entire second half with a 50% field goal percentage, which was really good. What I say is most. Pre- uh, impressive the entire tournament, was against Kentucky. Look, Sh- Shibwe is going to be Naismith Player of the Year. I do not, I think Liam Robbins didn't, an, and Quinn Malura Brown did an excellent job, you know, closing him down, and I think that's a good way to preview the Belmont game, because they're really strong in the in the interior. Their big men are really, really strong, but when you play against Shibwe, the best big man in the country, that's the best practice, and that's why I'm not too worried for the Commodores game against Tuesday because of how well they played against Sheboyg like yeah
0: yeah i think it makes a lot of sense i think uh, obviously Robbins was great in the Kentucky game i might have misspoke earlier he he didn't play a ton down the stretch in the Alabama game q really took those minutes but i think it's crazy to think that Vanderbilt was able to go 2 and 1 when Scottie Pippen Jr goes 13 of 48 from the field in those 3 games that's i mean he's shooting 27% in their winning games but i think the key was Even against Alabama when he was 5 of 19, he had seven assists and just one turnover. That's the whole key to this Vanderbilt team and this offense is getting Scottie Pippen Jr. as a facilitator and him not turning the ball over. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Rodney Chapman as well because obviously he had a monster three-point bucket um, towards the end of that Alabama game to really put Vanderbilt up five, I believe, down the stretch with about three minutes to go. He was huge. He makes all the little plays. We've said it time and again, but this team is really, really different when they have him, and Liam Robbins on the floor. And you look at this Alabama box score and you see four or five starters in double figures. That's barely happened for this Vanderbilt team all year, and they got that big time um, out of Chapman.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I, I just... I said earlier he missed a couple of free throws late, but... He did, he, he did. He was very efficient on the whole. Like, I, I mean, I, I was just... It wasn't meant as a criticism because, I mean, from the field, he was 3-for-5, 2-for-4 from 3, and 4-for-7 overall from the free throw line. He had a super impressive performance. Um, and, like you said, Q was super uh, great as well after, you know, Robbins fouled out uh, late and only got about 10 minutes in the game. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Belmont game. There, obviously obvious – Vanderbilt is 4-0 all time, and I expect – Memorial to be rocking with the first um, playoff action that a lot of the juniors and seniors have seen, and obviously for freshmen and sophomore, this will be the first playoff action as well. So, I expect some pretty good attendance and and for it to be loud. Right,
2: and just going back to Rodney Chapman, this is his third program he's played on, but he was on the really powerful Dayton team that I think they got closed off with COVID two years ago. But he has that experience, which is going to be really important in uh, in the NIT. He didn't have that tournament experience because he got closed, but he's played in a lot of big games with a really powerful team. They were they were ranked pretty highly and I and I think that's gonna be really important. And we saw that against Alabama. He was not afraid to take that shot at the end of the game. And that's what Vanderbilt needs when you know maybe Scotty's being double teamed and Jordan doesn't have the best look. Who's that guy that wants to take the shot? We know Chapman's been there. He knows he's been there, and that's what I think will be happening again in the NIT against Belmont. Yeah, and I think the game plans have been pretty good. I mean, eleven
0: turnovers against Kentucky is really um, is really not bad at all. They had eleven against Alabama as well, so that's a huge number for Vanderbilt and one that fans should pay attention to as this NIT comes on. Because um, I think Belmont is a solid defensive team, but no, none of these t- squads in the in Vanderbilt's quadrant going to overdo you with defense, and so I think that's going to be key. Jerry Stackhouse did talk to the media today, and he did notify us that Rodney Chapman should be good to go. I mean, he's playing with gravy right now. He's a six-year senior, can't really go anywhere after this to play college ball, so exciting for him to get to play a little bit more. Looks like Trey Thomas is going to be out this week, um, maybe back for a long-term run, Stackhouse said, but he's dealing with a pretty significant hamstring strain, and obviously he was pretty crucial in Vanderbilt's um uh, he had a good day against uh against Georgia, but he'll he'll give way probably probably to Shane Dizoni and Tyron Lawrence for the most part. And uh with that we can kind of start previewing this game on Tuesday. Belmont's a squad that Andrew mentioned, one of the best interior scoring teams in the country, and a lot of that is because as Stackhouse said today, he didn't want to say this name because he might butcher it, but his name's Nick Mozinski I believe. Um he's six eleven, uh really efficient from the field, but I would venture to guess out of the Ohio Valley Conference, he's not seen someone like Liam Robbins or like Quentin Melora Brown. Um, so I, I think that's a solid matchup for Vanderbilt. Out of this quadrant, I will say Belmont might be the team that scares me the most. Um, so what do you guys think about this matchup tomorrow? I mean, I
1: think it is an it is an immediate advantage to be playing in the SEC and get games against Guys who will win, you know, the East Award and will go on to the NBA and you get tough challenges every week and you're used to guys like this versus you come in and you face a guy like Liam Rob- Liam Robbins right off the bat and then he, he subs out and you're like, oh, I get a little breather. And then Quentin Melora Brown, who's been the starter for a lot of the season, comes in uh, and challenges you just as much. And Vanderbilt is a very strong team defensively, um, force you to take a lot of tough shots. And yes, Belmont will be a very tough matchup, but... Uh, I, I you know I I like I like our odds especially with a healthy Rodney
2: Chapman and Liam Robbins, and and I think we see this a lot with March Madness games the best team on paper definitely does not yes. always win, mm-hmm. it's a lot about being fundamental. You look at the Alabama game and Kentucky game Vanderbilt I think only had eleven turnovers pr- respectively. You do that I think you win the game. Mm-hmm. If Scotty has five plus turnovers turnovers which we've seen in you know some of those SEC games. That's where Vanderbilt really slips away and Belmont can be going on runs. They have to be very, very fundamental and then not, not give up like stupid fouls early in halves because you don't want them going in the bonus. So it's, it's to me, I mean, on paper, I think Vanderbilt is definitely has the advantage, but it's about feeling like you've been there, having control, having command, and being disciplined defensively.
0: And looking a little deeper into this
2: Belmont squad, they won 25 games this year. Very
0: good squad. Um, really well coached by Casey Alexander. So this is no joke of a program. I think when you look at who they've beaten and who they've lost to, they've beaten teams right around Vanderbilt's area, 60-80 to 80 in net. They've beat St. Louis. They beat Chattanooga. They beat Drake and Iona. Iona, one of the teams that are that is in Vanderbilt's quadrant. Dayton is a squad that they lost to. Um, but... Dayton's also in Vanderbilt's quadrant. So there's some good opponents in here. They lost to LSU by a, a lot early in the year, but LSU is kind of a different team down the stretch. So this is a team that's going to be really fundamental. They're going to get a lot of three-point looks. Uh, three-pointers account for 44% of their shots um, and 33% of their points scored. So they don't shoot it at a high clip, but they're going to shoot a lot of them. So Vanderbilt's defense, especially on the, uh, on the interior, is going to be a little bit more important. But on the Vanderbilt side, I think Scottie Pippen Jr. should have a really good game. I don't think there's anyone on this roster from a size or athleticism standpoint in the in the Belmont backcourt who should be able to stick Scottie. Um, so i like him to have a good game. i like Jordan Wright to possibly have a good game. I think we saw him play really well against Kentucky. We saw him play really well early in the year against some of these smaller non-conference teams. And I think him not seeing a ton of huge athletic wings like he does in the SEC that could be a huge advantage for him and continuing to grow some mojo within this, uh, NIT.
1: And I think at the end of the day, Andrew touched on it like correctly. It's, it's going to be about mentality. We can look at the paper all day long, but it's going to be about starting out strong, getting the crowd into it. Um, and especially what do they say? It's not about necessarily winning the game. It's about not losing. Uh, don't kick yourself with turnovers. Yep. Don't miss easy shots. Don't, you know, leave open threes for Belmont to get hot. You know, it's it's just about the mental game, winning that, keeping an underdog mentality. You know, you can't think of yourself as the higher seed in these cases and that it's going to be a walk in the park in any way whatsoever. Um, you just have to imagine it's another hard SEC team or, you know, NCAA tournament game that you just, you're the lower seed and you just got to win. Um, it, it'll be really just a battle of uh, who wants it more.
2: Right, and going back to what Justin said, not, not every team has a severe... Uh, as a Wheeler or Ty Ty Washington, that's not that's not what Vanderbilt's going to be playing against. And with all due respect to Belmont, they're not a top SEC team. Given that Belmont usually is a tournament hopeful, they 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 are in the tournament. You know, a few a couple times every few years. I do think that that's you know they have maybe experience that maybe Vanderbilt hasn't had. But I think having the home court, which you know all the fans, we want the students there. Tuesday night that's to me really important and like you said being fundamental that's going to be you know the the ending formula to success.
0: What do you guys think about this quadrant? I see a real path for Vanderbilt to get to Madison Square
2: Garden. I I, I see it. I think there's a, a lot of potential for that. For me UF scares me just cuz of cuz of the the past with UF and yeah. the familiarity I think could actually plague Vanderbilt because I don't know I feel like Vanderbilt against these these teams that they haven't played against, they won't be you know overthinking as much. They could be doing these certain plays that wouldn't be as familiar. Right, Dayton does not scare me because they're usually in the tournament. I don't know how much they're going to really want it the same way Vanderbilt will. I see. I I, I uh, Florida. I don't. Xavier doesn't scare me. It's really just UF because of you know they 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 were supposed to be a really good team before the season and maybe now they they play up to their potential like Vanderbilt did in the SEC tournament.
1: I mean at. They do say it's hard to beat a team three times in a season, yeah. and uh, sure. well, we're zero two against Florida, and you know, you you gotta hope on some level that they walk in um, to the game being a little too comfortable uh, in their own skin and thinking that you know it's just another SEC game against Vanderbilt. But um, this is all about grit, and they have the potential to beat every one of these teams. And we've touched on it multiple times this year how we've seen the resilience and the effort from this Vanderbilt squad, and I see no reason that
0: for them not to get out of this quadrant if they continue having that determination. I'm not a huge NIT. like I, I don't know a ton about the NIT. I think most Vanderbilt fans would say the same. But it strikes me as the type of event that really, like Sam was saying, the winner is the team that makes it the most important. I think everyone can get up for an NCAA tournament game. I think that's crucial to... You know, the teams want to go to the Sweet 16. They want to go to the Elite Eight. They want to win national championships. Those games aren't hard to get up for. This second-tier tournament, I think, if it's a letdown for you, like it probably is for a team like Florida or a team like Dayton, like Andrew mentioned, I think it's I think it's challenging to get up for those games, and it takes a really good coaching staff to do it. Vanderbilt is on the way up, whereas, you know, obviously NCAA tournament team hopes before the year – But it wasn't really in the cards. We knew that the last couple weeks that that their NCAA tournament hopes weren't there. This is their first postseason event in five years. I don't know. I just see a lot of positives here for Vanderbilt out of this quadrant. I think when you look at a team like Xavier, also Vanderbilt beat them in a secret preseason scrimmage. So, with Rodney Chapman and without Liam Robbins. That's another thing that's interesting here. Florida, no longer... Mike White is going to be coaching Georgia next year. I have no idea if he's coaching the NIT, but clearly he's on the way out. So, are his players locked in? I have no idea. I have to believe Vanderbilt would love to see Florida again in this event just because of the heartbreak that they went through two weeks ago when they lost to Florida at Memorial. Regardless, we're excited for this event. Let's tune to the women because they have a lot of interesting um, interesting basketball ahead for them as well. And When you look at this women's NIT, 64-team field, not sure that a formal bracket has been released information has been scarce on this event but we will have more on that on our website later on today but we do know their first round matchup against murray state is set uh, for thursday here at home at memorial gymnasium and this is just really exciting i think for everyone involved with this program because there were really no postseason expectations on this year i think shay ralph has talked to us a lot about trusting the process and this is really a testament to how hard a lot of these girls have worked, especially when you look at someone like Jordan Cambridge who hasn't sniffed the postseason in her four years here. Unfortunately, Brene Alexander will not be on the court for Vanderbilt, and that's a big deal, and we're going to talk about that, but she entered the portal as a graduate transfer just uh, about a week ago, so she's not eligible here, and we'll talk about who could fill in her role, but guys, I was a bit surprised they made it. I don't know the criteria for making it, but I think what tipped this off here is they're playing in one of the hardest conferences in college sports, uh, the SEC Women's Basketball Conference, and they got a few key wins down the stretch in Alabama, or beating Florida on senior night uh, in their final home regular season game. Then you go into the SEC tournament, you beat Texas A&M, and then you almost beat Florida again. I think those are what probably pushed them into this field.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many parallels between the men's and the women's team, and it really does feel like the women's are on the up and up, and they are just so ready for this tournament. I mean, like you said... In the same way, you know, I'm going to parallel to the World Cup you make the World Cup third, third place game. No one really wants to be there in the same way of any like, I don't know, Olympic semifinal. You don't want to play that third place game. No one wants to be there, but you play it anyway. And that's what it's going to feel like for a lot of teams, but not Vanderbilt because yeah. they didn't expect anything. And the fact to be in this tournament and to have seniors, older people who say this doesn't come around often. And to kind of carry over that energy that they've had all season. I mean, you watch one game, and the bench is just up the whole time, supporting everyone. And I expect that to be the same deal. And honestly, I expect there to be even better attendance than the women have had all season in Memorial. And I hope so. Hopefully, there'll be a good atmosphere for them to play off of. But I think um, Ayanna Moore will get a chance to to step into Alexander's role, maybe a little bit more, and, and get see some more
2: of the uh, the ball and. I expect you know an exciting game What's important to consider is what what makes the women's tournament different than the men's tournament is it's 64 teams opposed to 32 obviously Vanderbilt did not have a winning record but you think about in the SEC tournament Texas A&M really good game but the Florida game you only lose by one after beating them in an upset on senior night that had national attention and maybe on paper maybe win versus loss they maybe shouldn't be on it but What's really important is that they're on the up and up. People know that Vanderbilt's not a team they many teams want to play right now. Yeah, maybe if Very the tournament tight. was three weeks ago, definitely Vanderbilt wouldn't make it. It's about a lot of it is momentum. We see this with March Madness and really all tournaments. They want to be having competitive games, and they they know that Vanderbilt, this young roster under Ralph, will will compete and, and put up a fight against especially against Murray State on Thursday.
0: All time Vanderbilt is four and three against Murray State. They last played them in two thousand one. And so this'll be an interesting matchup. The Racers are coming in um with a pretty good record and we don't know much about them, but we'll find out more as the week goes on. And I think it's important to note how Shea Ralph continues to kind of bounce these like bad negative streaks surrounding this program in just her first year here on campus. I think It took Jerry Stackhouse a couple years to break some of these things, and obviously both teams haven't achieved the ultimate goal of making the NCAA tournament yet, but obviously they get their first SEC tournament wins in years, first postseason appearance since 2014. Ayana Moore breaks a three-point record uh, for a single-game performance. Jordan Cambridge notches the first triple-double in Vanderbilt history, second in SEC tournament history. I mean, all these positive things, and it's just kind of snowballing, and I think it's nice to see that it culminated in this. Getting to this matchup a little bit, no-Bernay Alexander is going to be a, a, a problem for Vanderbilt, and that's not um, to put it lightly. I think that she has obviously been Vanderbilt's leading scorer this season, averaging you know o- o- double figures and scoring in most every game in double figures 15 points. And so when you look at who else is going to fill in, we've seen really good performances out of Ayanna Moore and Sasha Washington of late, But they're going to need more than just those two and Jordan Cambridge to get this job done. I guess any specific places besides those three? Do you you think this is a scenario where, you know, these three just have to be excellent? Or is it a scenario where someone like Demi Washington, someone like Demore Flournoy, um, someone else is kind of taking some of those minutes and capitalizing on them to drive this team forward?
1: In my opinion, this is honestly... It's you're playing with house money. If it, it definitely feels like, and I yeah. expect um, Shay Ralph and the whole squad to just go out and, and I could see either of those possibility possibilities happening. I think it's a real chance for Ayanna Moore to take the reins of that offense. Um, I would say regularly it's really tough to lose your biggest. Uh, offensive threat who's a senior because she has that experience. But there isn't as much postseason experience in the juniors and seniors at Vanderbilt as you would like. So, honestly, they'd be pretty new to the whole scene uh, uh, just like Iana Morris. Um, And I definitely think you throw in people like – Damari Flournoy and, and Demi Washington, and see what they can do and give them, draw them up some plays. But it is just going to be about playing the hot hand. And, you know, hopefully you see some of those young players really get some momentum to take into next season.
2: And, and that hot hand, we expect that to be maybe Sasha Washington, maybe Jordan Cambridge. But like you said, maybe it's okay if Damari Flournoy gets those touches. I think Brene Alexander might not be suited up, but she wants this team to win. Like, like no other, and she's going to be helping this team prepare right. and you know prepare like a championship team within the next two two days. And I think it's just going to be really important for the team not to to play any differently than they have the past three weeks. If they play the same same type of form of success, it will be a good game even without Brene Alexander. If they just don't let the game let the game come to them and don't don't make too many early mistakes, that's really what's been the women's issue uh, at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, and I also think that defense at the end of the day is their strong suit. True. And though it's tough to lose a main offensive threat for obvious reasons, the defense and the schemes will still be there. Ralph has been used to having to draw up um, offensive plays to get the momentum going. So this isn't anything that they're not used to already. Uh, And I think... It'll certainly take some adjusting, but they do have a path to to being successful with stout defense, making just simple plays, and uh, Ralph kind of guiding the offense.
0: I think the most interesting thing that's going to come out of this, however many games they play, is that we're going to get a look and see if Ayana Moore can truly be a number one option on a good SEC team. And uh, we might not see SEC competition in this tournament, obviously, but. We're going to understand whether Vanderbilt can literally run its offense through Ayanna Moore next year, because she's shown a lot, and and we've seen some really good stuff from her. She's shooting 36% from the field, she still has a lot of turnovers, especially for the fact that the ball isn't always in her hands, her, her assist-to-turnover ratio is less than one. So I think we're going to see whether or not she's ready for that, and obviously she'll have a full off season before she'd even step into that role next year. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing here because she's Vanderbilt's best scorer left without Brene Alexander, and she might not be Vanderbilt's best player left. But her and Sasha Washington really are the future. It looks like Jordan Cambridge might be back for a graduate year, but I think that'll be interesting to see—is whether Ayanna Moore can carry this offense.
2: And that's an invaluable learning experience too for for these younger players. Yeah, to for have, her, yeah, to have this experience. Like you said, Brene Alexander and Cambridge might not have had the type of playoff experience that other veterans have had but for these freshmen to have this experience no matter what happens it's going to be really important and I I really think being at home is really important because it's a sense of familiarity especially for these young student athletes
1: and I think Ralph and I'm sure she will just needs to make sure she controls the message no matter what happens after this game you know we'll talk about it critically who played well who didn't but at the end of the day it's a lot of young players and if they don't show up in the limelight that's not that's not the end of the world, especially for this program. If someone has a bad game, that's okay. It's a learning experience right now for them to bounce back from. And I just think that uh, Ralph really needs to control the message to the team and kind of help them, whether it goes well or badly, know that
0: this was a successful season overall. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think this is house money. I think it's more house money for this women's program than it is for the men's program. I think I've (laughs) I really don't know what the bracket looks like for the women. I I still don't think there's a bracket as of now released on the website. It's just matchups. So tough to tell exactly what the path would be for Vanderbilt women, but the men have a path. And I think that there's no reason that they couldn't get to get to New York. And I think that, that would mean a lot, both from a recruiting standpoint and from a, you know, to these guys uh, standpoint. I think they've a lot of them have worked pretty hard, as have the women, to to get these programs back in shape and I think they're well on their way. It's exciting to be able to keep talking about basketball. Um, the Vandy boys quietly are ripping off win after win. I think they've won their last 12 or something like that. And we'll get back into them and we'll have coverage for you this week. They'll play Michigan tomorrow. And then they're opening SEC series this weekend against Missouri here at home as well. So lots of baseball to come, lots of lacrosse to come. But those are going to wait because it's March and uh, we have some NIT action coming up on West End. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this NIT primer and we will talk to you uh, next week.